The church. What is it? How do we define it? What does the New Testament have to say about the church and its members? What does it look like for a congregation to operate under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Kristen James will utilize the Baptist faith and message to tackle these questions and more in today's episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where everyday ministers get together to discuss everyday ministry. Are we forgotten? thousand captive in iron and stone word of the outside this is james white the pastor at lighthouse community church and i have the joy of sitting here with chris norsworthy chris how is everything going your way hey james everything is going great summer's wrapping up so we're getting ready to send the kids back to school our youth are actually about to go on their youth trip and it was kind of late in the summer, but looking forward to that for them. And um, my wife and I just had our 12th wedding anniversary, and we're actually about to go out of town for that as well. You know, just normal life stuff, but uh, it's all good. How about you? Man, I'm doing great. Happy anniversary to you and your wife. So is any of your kids what you call youth age? Are they going on this trip or? No, um, we're going to have a back to school kind of thing, I guess, that our kids will be attend like a swimming day or whatever, I guess they go back to school. Um, well, at the end of next week, I think. So then I guess, I mean, my kids do anyway, we'll have a, like a swimming party next weekend, but now my kids aren't part of the like youth group. Our youth group isn't very big, but, <laughs> um, so sometimes they do have like events where my daughter might be involved with what some of the youth age kids are like the younger youth age kids, but mm-hmm. not, not as far as going on a trip. That's why I asked that. Cause I knew they're younger, but with it being a smaller church, sometimes they end up doing things together more often than, you know, larger churches or whatever the case may be. But man, on my, on my end of it all, everything's going well. Getting to be on a guest of another podcast. That's a part of the podcast community. And we're recording right after this. So in between, Mom talking when Chris talks, I'm probably going to be snacking on some chicken fingers and <laughs> baked potatoes. So things going good in Vernon, Alabama in the white residence. Things about the same as usual. I did find out one good thing this week, though. So What's school that? doesn't start back until the 19th of August for me. And so that means I have 20 days in between semesters, and I am so happy about that. It's going to be the best 20 days of my year. Um, <laughs> subtract, you know, the birth of my child. And I was going to say, wasn't your daughter born this year? I get to spend more time with her oh, because right. of not being in school. So let me justify it that way. But this week's episode, we're looking at Baptist Faith and Message once again, and we're going to be looking at the church now. As Chris and I was kind of talking about before, we have addressed this topic before on a previous episode. It's been about a year or so ago now, and it's actually, if Chris remembers this or not, it's actually what jump-started us in addressing the Baptist Faith and Message, because we were just recording the episode on the church. Corey was still a host at the time, and as we were addressing it, we just ended up looking at the Baptist Faith and Message as we were walking all the way through it. So maybe you want to go back and listen to that episode along with this one. Um, now, a lot of the information will probably be similar, but we did have Corey there to bounce off some different things, so it might be different in some way. So we would encourage you to go back, check out that episode. 
But for this week's episode, as we look at the Baptist faith and message, we're going to walk through it pretty much one statement at a time, as we've done in previous episodes. But before we jump into it, we just want to take a short break to listen to a commercial from one of the podcasts that's a part of the Christian podcast community. The Five Solas Podcast, a weekly podcast hosted by James Watkins that is dedicated to the Reformed theological distinctives and their continued relevance for the church and world today. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Join us each episode to discuss the truths of these foundational rallying cries of the Protestant Reformers, the prophetic challenge they present, and the sound wisdom they provide as we delve into their biblical meaning and theological significance and reflect upon and appropriate their truths we will be engaging issues in the church and world each week from the rich insight of reformation christianity we will be showing all the manifold ways in which this material helps challenge and direct the current church in its life of worship and witness and confront the idols of our age with biblical discernment and a sound apologetic in a manner that is as open and transparent as possible, while challenging you to seek the glory of God in all that you do. Soli Deo Gloria. Welcome back from the commercial from one of the other podcasts that's a part of the community. I want to just encourage you to go over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com and check out some of the other podcasts we have there. But until then, Chris, would you begin by reading the whole statement of Baptist Faith and Message on the church? Sure thing. Yeah, this is Article 6. Uh, the church says, A New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers, associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel, observing the two ordinances of Christ, governed by his laws, exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word, and seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. Each congregation operates under the Lordship of Christ through democratic processes. In such a congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. Its scriptural offices are pastors and deacons. While both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. New Testament speaks also of the church as the body of Christ, which includes all of the redeemed of all the ages, believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So I just want to begin by really looking at the very last part of that, and then we're going to jump into the uh, New Testament church aspect of it. And it's that last sentence. The New Testament also speaks of the church as the body of Christ, which includes all of the redeemed of all ages, believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Mm-hmm. And I guess that would be com- more commonly referred to as the universal and invisible church, simply meaning that the church is all believers in all times in all nations, um, not just all local congregations. The church is all believers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that the church is the visible and the invisible so it's the people we see, the people we don't see, like uh, you said, all times, all ages. So whenever we think of the church, generally that's kind of how I think of the term as the body of Christ. And kind of like how we would say like, oh, we're going to church. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a building. The church is not the building. And whenever we say, you know, so-and-so started a church or they go to a different church than we do, um, 
we use that to mean they fellowship with the body of Christ locally in a, in a different location than we do. But we are all the church. All Christians, all time, are the church. So sometimes we do kind of lose sight of that unity in Christ that we have whenever we are operating with our local church mm-hmm. or, you know, local representations of the body of Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's what most of the top paragraph is about. Um, and I think it's good that they added this in there and pointed that out. Um, and it's good to have in mind when we talk about like a church, we'll typically be talking about a local congregation mm-hmm. that we're all part of the church. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to start here because though I understand why they have the larger chunk on the local congregation, I wanted to start with the universal and invisible church because ultimately, as you said, our building and our local congregation isn't the church. It's just a local church, a local gathering of certain believers coming together under the ordinances as we're going to look at in that. But I guess as we look at that, I do have a question before we even jump into the Baptist faith and message is why is it important then to have local congregations? And then even in that, why is it important that we have different denominations within the local context? Man, well, those are kind of two different questions. <laughs> I don't know if we have time to answer both of those. <laughs> um, not, not in full, I mean, I guess you can be part of the church universal without being part of a local church, but you're not going to be a healthy part of the universal church without fellowship in the body. And because that is the way we have been made, we've been created to be in unity with each other. We've been created to, you know, one of us is the hand, the other is the foot, Christ is the head. And God has ordained in scripture that there are pastors, that there are deacons, Um, that we are to fellowship to each other, that we are to correct one another, that we are to participate in baptisms and the Lord's Supper. And these are all things that you're not going to be able to take part of by yourself at home. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, as we look at this statement itself, it's going to explain why the local congregation is necessary, because you can't do these things faithfully unless you are a part of one. Now, to address my second question is why is different denominations important in the local context because you do hear hear the argument of you know why can't we just all let go of our different beliefs and worship together and let go of denominations and then you even almost hear it argued as there's not going to be denominations in heaven and and though all of those things are rightly true but even when we look at these things there's going to be different aspects and different theologies that people are going to differ in that causes us to separate into different denominations for example, in the Baptist Faith and Message, we see that the scriptural offices as pastor and deacons, while both men and women are gifted for the service of the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. And so you and I couldn't attend a church that had, quote unquote, a woman pastor. And and that's just one example of some differences. Obviously, you know, there's differences in baptism and the Lord's Supper and exercising gifts and rites and just pretty much in every area of this. But that's why it is important that there is different denominations. Now, you know, obviously there's, you know, tertiary issues that we can let go of and, you know, do worship gatherings with other churches with and kind of partner with them. I think that's important for just as we were talking about earlier, just the unification of the universal church. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I know a number of people who attend churches of a denomination that they wouldn't necessarily identify with, but given their 
neighborhood or location or uh, for other reasons that they attended, you know, maybe they're Presbyterian and they attend a Baptist church or that kind of thing um, because they do acknowledge the universal church. And maybe if they had another church that was similar to what they thought or, you know, was correct, they would attend that church. But I guess to say that there are things that in certain situations, certain, <laughs> you know, we tend to overlook disagreements and that aren't as, like you said, um, like top tier or second tier agreements or disagreements are not um, core to the doctrine of the faith. And uh, at any church, we're going to have disagreements on one level to another. And some of them are minor and some of them aren't. But yeah, when it comes down to the primary doctrines of a church, you know, most evangelicals, whether they're charismatic, Baptist, Presbyterian, or whatever, on the primary doctrines of the faith, we all agree on that for the most yeah. part. And you get into those secondary doctrines, I and mean, that's where you start to have some discrepancies. And sometimes you, you know, you choose to overlook those things for other reasons. Now, we don't choose to look things that we see as sinful to still be able to attend a church. Then I think at that point, you're you're going against your conscience. And I don't think that that's, that, that's healthy. You know, as we look at the conversation on the Baptist Faith Message, I think that's important to note because, as we've talked about before, Southern Baptist Church is really a big tent denomination. And so every congregation you're going to go to is going to differ in some various ways. And so you can't blanket statement say they're southern baptist so they necessarily believe this this and this when it mm -hmm. comes to some of these secondary or tertiary issues but what we hopefully can say is that they would line up on these areas of what the church is so let's kind of jump into that it says a new testament church of the lord jesus christ is an autonomous local congregation of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel so as we look at this just initial statement in the Baptist faith and message, what comes to my mind is the word autonomous. Mm -hmm. The importance of that is kind of church governance, wouldn't you say? Yeah. And that's kind of why it's funny. Well, I think sometimes you'll see like an independent Baptist <laughs> congregation, whereas this being a statement of faith by the Southern Baptist convention, it actually says that all of the churches that take part in the convention are autonomous. Uh, because it's not a, it's almost like an inverted pyramid rather than a, you know, it's not a top down kind of situation where the president of the SBC doesn't make or have any control over the things that happen at my church. I'm the pastor. We have a congregation. We make decisions together about what happens at our church. Um, and yeah, so autonomy has to do with what's happening in our church and the structure there's no structure outside of our church that's telling our church what to do now it is clear to say that we're not autonomous in the sense that we don't have to follow the bible or you know or christ as our head or our lead but it means separate from each other we're making the decisions for the things that happen in our church who our pastor is who our deacons are those kind of things yeah which i mean obviously as it starts to say in the beginning that a new testament church of the lord jesus christ so mm -hmm. we're not you know, he's still an ultimate authority. He's still the one that is the key shepherd, the lead shepherd of the church. And so what I find so ironic about this, though, is this misunderstanding, um, because there's so many times you'll see people that don't want to participate in part of associations or things of that nature because they're afraid somebody's going to come in mm -hmm. but, and kind of take control. But I would argue, 
you know, a lot of the issues we're seeing in the Southern Baptist world right now, especially with the sexual allegations and how to handle that. Mm-hmm. A lot reason that is so difficult to get a handle on is because of this right here. Yeah. Because there's nothing you can make a church do as they're, you know, autonomous. Mm-hmm. On that same note, though, obviously, if they disagree with some form of the Baptist faith and message, there is a process of dissociation between that church and the Southern Baptist Convention. And we don't see that a whole lot. Normally, it's churches pulling out rather than being kicked out. But that mm-hmm. that is possible. You know, obviously, we do see here this idea of baptized believers covenanting together in the faith and fellowship of the gospel, just mainly saying that the church is those that are repented, right? Those that know Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what what is the what is one of the key things the church comes together and do? is what we see in the next part, which is uh, observing the two ordinances of Christ. So, though I think we both know what they are. Tell us what they are, Chris. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, or communion, however you want to say that. Not the Eucharist? Well, I mean, you can say it that way if you want to, I guess. I don't, know. I don't care. <laughs> and then are they sacraments or are they ordinances? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's what I was kind of getting at there. Is some people will say Lord's Supper, some will say communion. Now, we don't get too far past that in Southern Baptist world. I don't think anybody would ever say Eucharist, but I don't know, though. There's some different guys out there. Might be somebody who says it just because they like the word. That's right. That's right. So the baptism and Lord's Supper. And so when we look at these two things, obviously baptism happens when? When somebody comes to Christ in salvation. And mm-hmm. so we know when that one happens. How often do we as Southern Baptists participate in Lord's Supper or communion? There is no rule on that. It's up to the church. So That's right. Uh, <laughs> we at our church we do it every every third Sunday. Do you? Mm-hmm. I don't know why. <laughs> That's right. So me personally, I would be perfectly fine doing it every week. And mm-hmm. I would actually delight in that. And I don't find the arguments of why we don't do it more often is excusable because the common argument is if it loses its meaning if we do it weekly right. but we worship weekly we preach weekly we read the scripture weekly uh, <laughs> we do all of those things weekly so yeah. I, I don't find it as a good argument but i do want to just state in this is that as long as a church is observing these two things then it according to the baptist faith the message is a church now the issue i have found in many southern baptist churches is that they never never take the lord's supper and almost out of that fear that it is something holy and something reverent that so so holy so reverent that you can't do it often and i think that's a shame and now with that being said i should be more intentional as a pastor of doing it more regular in my church but i do have some pushbacks so anyway maybe you want to address the open and close table um yeah i mean the the way that we do it at our church is you know we kind of leave it up to the people if you're a visitor and you want to do it at your own risk <laughs> then you know you're, you're welcome to come observe with us you know we'll take you at your word and then that's between you and god i don't know how it is in alabama in louisiana we have quite a lot of catholic churches and you know i've mostly only been during weddings and it'll be funny i'll say funny but it'll be interesting because you'll have uh, all the bridesmaids and groomsmen well then take part in communion but then you know who the protestants are or the atheists i guess because they they don't take part in the communion in the church because they're not part of the catholic church yeah Um, i know there's an (laughs) in-between yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's 
I think the big difference between that, though, and not to go down this rabbit trail, is that the Catholic view of communion or the Eucharist or is totally different than our view. Yeah. Uh, maybe you want to pronunciate that word for us, but transubs. Transubstantiation. Uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the bread and the wine does not literally turn into Christ's body nor blood, unlike what the Catholic would say. So, right. all right. So uh, then we see as we walk through it, this idea of gather, governed by his laws, really meaning just the fact that the church is set up by what scripture would say, um, kind of what it's laying out in this idea. And then it says exercising the gifts, rights, and privileges invested in them by his word now so obviously in your background chris this idea mm-hmm. of exercising gifts would probably look much different than it does <laughs> in the southern baptist world yeah so because of that you know and what we mean by that if you if you're a new listener is that chris grew up in the charismatic world and if you've seen benny Hinn on tv just think about that and that's what well you see speaking in tongues you see apostles prophets all of these right interesting things laying on of hands falling yeah. down rolling so, on the floor yeah all of those weird crazy things uh watch american gospel apparently i haven't got to watch yeah. it yet but watch american gospel if recommend you want to know what we're talking about there so what do you think that that means or what does it look like in a church to exercise the gifts and rights and privileges um, well, according to the statement well, I specifically think about, you know, Paul's words and uh, many of his letters, but specifically in the Corinth, the letters of the Corinth, where he's talking about that everybody has a part in the church that, you know, some are hands, some are feet, some are ears, some are noses, that they function to the betterment, betterment and the fulfillment of the church. And so we do see that really that there's different gifts and just different personalities that we are indwelled with that, that God is giving us so that the church can function properly mm-hmm. um, you know much like you know you might have individuals in the church that are you know gifted at communication or even evangelism or you know i think of uh royce you know he's gifted at apologetics so mm-hmm. you know somebody like that you know obviously many people can study those things and pick those things up but to some extent, there is a supernatural thing that God does in somebody to allow them to retain and to know things. And so that's one gift that they may have. Now, obviously, everybody's called to evangelize. Everybody's called to share the gospel. But there may be that individual in the church that is more gifted in that specific area that they can better equip one another's in doing that and lead mm-hmm. those things. And there's other aspects that we see in that. In all reality, we're all called to serve the church in whatever capacity is needed. And uh, we talked about this on one of the spiritual discipline episodes. I think it was on serving. Mm-hmm. Or Chris, I think you specifically said that you don't have to have the spiritual gift of sweeping or something like that. <laughs> so maybe it sounds like something I'd say. And so you know, there's obviously different things that has to happen in the church that's not necessarily right. a gift, but there are different giftings that we have as individuals that God gives us so that we can serve our congregation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that whenever we consider the rights and privileges um it also makes it clear that we're all ministers of the gospel Mm -hmm. and there's not special like the pastor isn't special in that sense or in in a way that maybe perhaps a, a a priest or something like that or someone like you know that in a certain denomination or uh 
almost said cult. Yeah. <laughs> or I mean, you could think about cults, uh, you know, where oh, only the holy people who have been ordained officially are allowed to do anything. And you're all just, you're just supposed to sit there and listen and do whatever they tell you or that kind of thing. Um, it's all of our responsibility, all of our privilege, um, the priesthood of all believers, you know, that scripture teaches for us to, you know, to take part in spiritual things. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, I think it's important that we realize that. And that's why when we look at this idea of gifts and connection to that, we may not be gifted in a specific area inside of the church or outside of the church, but if God's calling us to this as he is, then we're called to do it. Yeah. So, you know, you then see this idea of seeking to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, we're not going to hatch that out because I think that's pretty well understood that the church's purpose is to evangelize and share the gospel, not only as a congregation, but as individuals that make the church up. Then you move on. It says each congregation operates under the Lordship of Christ. Um, as we began the statement off, we see that as a New, New Testament church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are under Christ's Lordship. It is not anybody's individual church per se that they're the ones that it, the you know, it stops and starts with them. This is Christ's church. But we do see this idea of this democratic process. Chris, I, I'm going to let you explain that one, man, because I, I really don't know the best way of putting it out there. Well, I think it is one of those things that's a little bit like I've been to two Baptist church. I've been a part of two Baptist churches, basically. And um, the process has looked a little bit different at both to say, you know, democratic or not, you know, I always kind of hear the horror stories about churches who literally have to vote on every single thing that ever happens. And, you know, the color of the carpet or the I almost had the flavor of the air freshener in the restroom, I guess, the scent, <laughs> you know, um, neither church that I've been a part of have looked anything like that. Um, they are elder led. Uh, you know, so the pastor does lead the congregation, um, but um, whenever it comes to uh, or ordaining elders or deacons or um, big financial things that involve the church or or uh, things like other things like that, um, the church body has a part in that. It's not uh, it's not a dictatorship or you know, where there's one guy ruling everything. Um, but it's the pastors along with the congregation or as part of the congregation making the decisions within the church as part of their autonomy. And yeah, I don't know how it looks like in your church. Um, I've also heard a lot of, well, I know it, and what I'm about to say d doesn't take place in your church, but I always kind of grew up here in the horror stories of churches where they're you know, they're ran by a deacon board and it's a bunch of guys who, you know, treat the pastor like he's just some guy who shows up on Sunday to to talk to them, you know, <laughs> like he's just there to preach and they're there to do the rest of the thing and make all the other decisions. Or there's somebody in the church who has a lot of money mm -hmm. and they give a lot of money to the church and then they control everything that happens in the church because everybody is afraid of them or those kind of things. Um and you hear stories of the, the matriarch or the patriarch in the church that's been there longer than anybody. And, right. and they, they're the ones that end up making the decisions. And, um, you know, like everything you mentioned here is terrible ways of approaching. The, <laughs> yeah, I'm the saying all things always that they ought not be. Yeah. Um, now, I do think that there's room 
here. And I think me and Chris is we've talked about this enough on the podcast to, that the listeners should already know that we prefer an elder led system and that we would almost argue that when there's deacon led system that it's really they're leading as elders yeah. in in the church. Uh, but I do think there's room in this statement that we can see that there might be different forms of church governance, which would argue uh, against the, the common thought that deacon-led is the only way you can do it in the Southern Baptist Church, which is not true. Uh, elder-led, not only biblical, but also is a practical approach where the congregation still approves things. The congregation mm-hmm. is still a part of that process, specifically in the aspect of electing elders and deacons that take a lot of the functions and roles on. But I think this is an important thing to look at because it ties into that whole church autonomy thing, because this is what they're run by. They're not run by presbytery or, a, you know, a body of elders that make up this local area that makes every decision for the church. That's why it's important, because it plays in with this autonomous nature of the church. Yeah, and that, and that can look at like different ways to different degrees, as I said, like some churches you're going to have a vote and you know, it has to be a hundred percent of the people who vote or some people, some churches just want a majority. This is one reason why it's also very important for the congregation to be baptized believers because the body as a congregation does make decisions and they do make decisions that sometimes they're practical and aren't quote unquote spiritual. But a lot of times they are making spiritual decisions as well together um, and this is why it's you know important for the member the membership of the church has many functions uh you know why you would want to be a member of a church there's many reasons for that but one of them goes into where there are some denominations that would would have would allow members in their church that aren't baptized or aren't even confessing believers to us you know for some churches um but there's the reason why our membership must be confessing baptized believers it's because they are you know we are operating together uh, mm-hmm. in all these various ways and ultimately as a congregation though there are practical things you know paint colors and all of that but it all boils down to spiritual things of the church and business of the church is all important on not only the decisions we make but mm-hmm. how we make them and i think that's the issue that comes in into all of this is that there's a lot of people that seem to not necessarily be baptized believers making decisions in churches. Maybe me judging people, I understand that may seem very borderline there, but that's a reality to it because it's hard for me to believe that uh, a party that separate over a church color or carpet color or baptized believers, if they're so Hmm. stuck on that right there. Right now, obviously most cases there's other issues, but yeah, reality to it. All right, so let's let's just keep on going through this uh, as we're kind of getting close in time. It goes on. It says, in each such congregation, each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord. Baptized believers, therefore, they're accountable to Christ. Naturally makes sense. It says, in scriptural office are pastors and deacons. With both men and women are gifted for service in the church. The office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. Now, we're going to address these two these two roles. But so we don't have to go in depth on addressing why women can't function in these role that the role of a pastor. We want to just put you back on the previous episode that we did with Michelle Leslie Leslie <laughs> Michelle Leslie. Well, we really addressed that uh, in the whole episode and kind of how a woman can function in the church in a biblical way. 
And so we want to push you to that episode, refer you back to that. So Chris and I would both agree that a woman can be a pastor of a church. But one thing that I find unique about this statement is, is the office of pastor is limited to men qualified by scripture. It mm-hmm. doesn't say and men you talked about that in this episode in that that episode is that it doesn't say that the office of deacon is limited to men. Qualified. <laughs> men. Yeah. That the role of a deacon is not limited to qualified men. And um, if you want to know our take on that, just kind of catch you in up on that. Go listen to that episode. Uh, I know I've said that a lot, but go listen to that episode. It'll be a fantastic resource if you have not already listened to it. So let's look at these two roles. Let's look at pastor and let's look at deacon. We've done an episode on each of these, so we don't want to go too in-depth. But Chris, I'll let you take whichever one you want, and I'll discuss the other one. Well, <laughs> this, uh, the, the role of pastor is a lot more clearly defined than the role of deacon. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like I'd be cheating if I took that one. Like you said, we've done episodes on on these before uh well some of them before i was here i guess technically well um, not really because the pastor one is the one that we did with you yeah before you came on before i came on so uh, yeah i was here during that portion although not as an official member yeah so yeah so deacons you know we first really see deacons i, I think it's acts chapter six and they're there really the you know, we see that word used and it's basically people who are being, who are serving during the Lord's Supper and they're doing in a sense, a kind of manual labor. And the reason given is so that the apostles can minister the word and not be distracted by other things. That's essentially the first thing we see. Well, we do say that they are ordained, that they are spiritual men. Uh, Stephen was one of those original deacons uh, that we saw and we see other places in scripture where Paul gives the qualifications of a deacon and we know that they are supposed to be godly spiritual men um, who are to be ordained in the church. And the word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonos or basic. Uh, I think I'm saying that correctly, which basically it just means servant. Yeah. So deacons are recognized servants of the church. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want to go too in-depth because, like we said, we did an episode on deacons. That was an episode with Guy Duran. He's from Gordo. Me and Daniel uh, interviewed him. Go back, listen to that episode. Fantastic episode. Uh, the role of a deacon is simply to serve the church. Um, we saw, you know, Chris explained that well. And so as we look at the idea of a pastor, then, the idea of a pastor or let's just say elder or, you know, we want to word it either way. They're interchangeable. The role of a pastor or elder is to lead the church. And it's more than, as you said earlier, the horror stories of uh, Deacon-led churches, of uh, horrific stories of that. It's more than showing up on Sunday morning and preaching and teaching on Wednesday nights and leading prayer meeting or whatever the mess that some churches think. It's leading the church. And that's spiritually, that's decision-making, that's with what's being taught, what's being presented in the church. As I said earlier, me and Chris would both agree that the best form of this is being uh, elder-led. And so just go back on some of the few episodes. We don't want to hash that out too much, but really just the importance of those two roles in the church. Um, Now, I say that, but my church doesn't have deacons, not official deacons anyway. But we do have men that serve the church. And so I think that's uh, we do see pictures of that in our congregation. And so as we look at all of that, really just to sum everything up, the, you know, 
we looked at the idea of the universal church as well as the local church. The local church is, is a gathered body of believers, baptized. They were coming together, observe the two ordinances being governed by Christ and his laws, exercising the gifts and building up the body of believers. Why? So that the gospel can be taken out to the world around them. Sounds good. Before we jump into the plugs of the week, I do want to take another pause and listen to a commercial, not from podcasts of the Christian Podcast Community, but from the August Guns, which is the band that allows us to use their music each and every episode. Hi, I'm Micah. What's up? This is Royce. Hey, I'm Kirk. And I play bass. <laughs> we are the August Guns. We're a rock band from Des Moines, Iowa. And you'll hear our music featured on the Everyday Ministry Podcast. Check out our first two EPs in our upcoming record, Born Into Noise, on Spotify, iTunes, and the other major streaming platforms. We, through God's grace, have encountered Jesus Christ in His love, and we desire to reflect that love to people through what we do every day. So check us out. We want to thank them again for allowing us to use their music each and every week. And so, Chris, as we come to the end of the podcast, very, very quickly, let's give some plugs of the week. So I'll begin by giving mine, and I have a bunch uh, that I could reference on this. This is something I've studied a lot. But really, just the simple ones are anything by non-marks is essentially good because Mm -hmm. of their focus. But to be more specific for the listeners... Mark Dever's book, Nine Marks of a Christian Church, really fundamental in understanding what the church is. And then if you're at not that level yet and you don't feel like reading that book, because it is kind of, I don't know if you've ever read it, Chris. It is a little more, not necessarily academic, but it's a little more um, professional than some books in the church. And so the one I do want to recommend, if you're not looking for something like that and you're looking for something more simple, a trilogy by Joe Thorne called The Church. One book, The Character of the Church. One is The Heart of the Church. And one is The Life of the Church. I think I read all three of them within a day and a half. They're really Mm. easy books, simple books to read. Now, they are from a Reformed Baptist perspective. So uh, you're going to get that. But that's okay because if you're not that, you you can take the meat and eat it and spit out the bones. So, Chris, what you got for us, man? Yeah, I don't have anything for this week. Man, that's fine. Uh, just I know we gave a bunch of recommendations on the previous episode. If I think about it, I may go pull those recommendations off and pull, put them on the show notes of this one as well. But we just want to encourage you as a listeners, if you're pastors or elders or deacons or a fisher role in the church, make sure you're leading God's people the way that he's calling you to and serving God's people the way he's calling you to. And if you're just a church member, And I don't want to say it like just a church member as if you're not significant because you are. But if you're a church member, be a part of your church. Be a part of your congregation. Be a part of the decisions. Be a part of every aspect of it. Call your leadership to accountability if they're not meeting up to the qualifications of what a church looks like, as we see in the Baptist Faith and Message. And so, Chris, before we jump off here, do you have anything else to add? 
we didn't say a, oh, we didn't quote a lot of scripture uh, this week. So I just want to point anybody who has listened to this all the way through um, that you can read the Baptist Faith and Message if you just want to Google search it. It's on SB, the SBC website. Um, I'm sure a lot of other places have it, and you can read it for free. But there are uh, specific scripture verses tied into each one of these points. Uh, so if you want to do some more research on this, there are plenty of scripture verses. I guess we can link it to in our show notes. So if you want to do more research about these specific points mentioned in this article on the church, that uh, will they, they are provided there. We hope that this episode has been beneficial for the ministry that God has called you to, and we hope that uh, you will serve him diligently. We'd like to thank you for listening to today's episode of the Everyday Ministry Podcast, where we seek to provide quality content first through our full-length episodes that release every first and third Monday of the month, and second, through the Minister's Minute. These are short 10 to 15 minute episodes that release every second and fourth Monday of the month, in which one of our co-hosts will seek to answer a specific question related to everyday ministry. If you enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe and rate the podcast through the podcast catcher of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and YouTube. Today we pray peace and grace for you through our Lord Jesus Christ. And happy ministry. Who will save?